you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. Welcome to the friend zone. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesca, also known as Hey Friend Hey. My name is Asante. <laughs> this is the friend zone. So remember, sometimes when we read your princess book, the prince will um, take the princess on the adventure or he'll save the day or he'll rescue her. That's a good thing, right? Bobby. Yeah, baby. She can rescue herself. Yeah, that that is true, baby. That's right. We're going to continue in our tradition of celebrating the mouths of babes, and in this case, what comes out of them. And we ain't talking about spit up. What we're talking about (laughs) is wise words, okay? You know, babies don't throw up. They spit up. So we're talking about wise words, okay, that are definitely being quoted on here today. Madison Jade is a little superstar that you just heard speaking so eloquently in response to a question posed by her mother, who told her that normally, you know, in in the fodder that they read and consider and watch, normally the princess is rescued by a prince and he saves the day and makes things all right and okay. And Madison did two things that we're going to take away from this. The first thing she did was she softly and gently rebutted. She said, but mommy, okay, she lowered the octave and said, but mommy. When she did that, her mommy said, yes, baby. So now the door was open, okay? So that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to learn how to get the door open by being soft and a little bit gentle, okay? Second thing we're going to learn from, she said, you heard what she said because y'all was listening. So she said that the princess can rescue herself now. This is not, you know, gender specific. The prince or princess can rescue themselves completely. And in this case, we're talking about ashy feet. It is now June. By the time you listen to this here podcast, it may still be the end of May, but it's hot enough to feel like June. (laughs) And your feet may be out and exposed. If I got to see them and they got to see me, then we going to see each other through a clear (laughs) eye view, which means you need to get you some lotion, get you some moisture, Fran, you got an oil to suggest, I'm sure. <laughs> you get whatever needs, whatever means necessary. Get your feet moisturized this summer. Rescue yourself. You shouldn't have to wait on me or another passerby, another honest and pure pedestrian who's just minding their own business, walking on moisturized feet. And we have to look at that. I am offended. Like Soldier Boy said about the Gucci boycott, I am shocked. 
and I'm appalled. I'm tired of seeing it. Rescue yourselves, princess and prince. <laughs> oh the hashtag this week, rescue yourself. Not your, but yo. Rescue me. Okay, so just a really quick random aside. I was at the nail shop this weekend. Mm-hmm. And guess who got their nails done? Amen. They used cheap polish on my fingernails. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, there was a woman there, and the people went up to her. They were like, oh, manicure, pedicure. She was like, oh, no, just a manicure. And she had really, really white feet. And when I tell you, all of the black women in the shop looked, and there's like, a woman was like, you need to get the feet, too. No, they and didn't see yes, that. Yes, yes, they did. And she said, she said, are you going to pay for them? She said, just the manicure and kept it moving. And I was like, uh, That's real, though. Maybe she didn't have enough. I, and for a minute, I, I thought about maybe I should pay for it, just because I felt bad oh, that she got pointed you? out like that. What you should have paid for was an Uber to get her ass home so she didn't have to walk. Like, <laughs> no. apparently, she had walked there. That's what it looked to sound like to me. I was already on my way out, and I was pissed about the cheap polish that they use, because normally I get the buffing anyway, but I didn't want the buff because I didn't want to stay there. So like, let me get the polish because it's quick, and then I could leave. And then after I saw the polish, I was like, I'm mad. I got to pay off for this. So I didn't want to pay for another person. It's like, I'm giving y'all too much money. I'm so you learned back. something because you ain't do nothing for her ass. But just like you heard Madison Jade say, <laughs> you need to rescue her next time, okay? So yeah. rescue her next time. She cute. sounded like she had a plan, though. She <laughs> sounded like she had a plan. She was going to have the hands, look good at work. People ain't got to look below the desk and make, make the <laughs> money. The and desk. then come back and get the toes done. Sound like her plan was to stand up for herself. That's what she's been doing all along. With that being said, it's time for the QTNAs, which are the questions <laughs> oh that need God. answers and the questions oh that Negras is asking. Here we go with number one. And this wow. week we just, you know, it's it's just, it's a, a focused randomness, if that makes any sense. Okay. Which one of you all said that Mona Scott Young's Caribbean cohort, Spice, was originally slated to be the host for Nickelodeon's Blues Clues reboot because of her wigs, but she turned it down because the producer screamed when she came out yelling and doing the splits, and she thought they was trying to be funny. I think she startled the producer. So is it true? And which one of y'all said that? That that's what happened with Spice. I'm too high for this. Imagine the Spice on Blue's Clues. Be like, hey, y'all, Steve, where's Blue? Let's see if you can count two. And then they should twerk out. Yeah, that and then was the, really good. It was, because I have the imagination. I have her plugged in there on Blue's Clues. As if it really happened. So then you should have the answer to question number one. I did not. I question did not. two. Yes, please. <laughs> Short and simple. Foolishness. Is it true... That Louisiana loser, Lil Boosie, I love his music, but he's a horrible person. Okay, so Louisiana loser, Lil Boosie, is it true that he was originally slated to be the host of Fox's Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? But he won't. Oh, my God. Is that true? Is it because he's I-N-E-E-P-E? He wasn't. So is it true that he he wasn't smarter? So he ain't. Question three. Here we go. Is it true that at this weekend's Fashion Nova Memorial Day Barbecue in Calabasas, California, chart-topping toddler talker Blueface was walking into the bathroom and heard someone behind him say, Are you Blueface? And as he was turning around, he said, Why the fuck you talk like a dead person? And then he looked down and stared into a stone-faced Kourtney Kardashian. For about three seconds, and then he said, "Oh shit, which one is you?" So is it true? Y'all know Blueface and Courtney Kardashian oh look alike. <laughs> Do the side, bring on the side <laughs> by no. sides. 
<laughs> Blueface and Kourtney Kardashian no. look alike. Who said it? With that being said. You know they tagged me more than ever last week after I asked them to tag me. I went on IG. They tagged me in their stories. Oh, no. I went on Twitter. It was on there. No. Because these things need to be asked and answered. With that being said and understood, I went I'd like on to welcome Snapchat everyone. to play with the baby. To, to play with the baby filter. Somebody sent it to me there. <laughs> Dang, not you even get to see Blueface this week. <laughs> they abandoned the Snapchat. It really, Blueface and Courtney, y'all. I'm gonna tell you again. It's in the eyes. <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god! Welcome to the friend zone. <laughs> Why are you licking your fingers? Yo, we look in all things mental health, mental wellness, and mental hygiene. Because who in the hell wants a musty brain? Hey, friend. <laughs> Como estas usted? Oh, Blue my face, God. baby. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> what the hell? That's, That's what he said when I he looked even, at it. I'm still sitting here thinking about that. Like Blue face and Kourtney Kardashian look alike. Dustin has a black business for Yes, I do have a black business. And this week is very cool, and I mean that in a literal sense. (laughs) You see, this here is Ah. a business by a couple of young ladies, and it's called Snow Social. And what Snow Social is is a business of shaved ices that is located in South Beach, Miami. Okay, And it started by two young black girls who thought that it would be very cool to just do this and come up with a, a very chic and sophisticated approach at the shaved ice business. That's so cute. Yeah, I thought so, too. They have um, several different flavors, several different toppings, um, and it's just really, really cool. And it is owned by a young black girl, okay, named Akaya Atkinson. Now, as soon as I heard her name, I said two things. They good, okay? Because <laughs> Akaya knew what a good snow cone was. She definitely was, you know, double dutching and buying snow cones as a child. So this is a, a trained taste bud here oh that's God. responsible. So I knew that that was the case. And then when I heard the cadence of her beautiful name, I said, you know what? And her mama and them new good snow cones too so if I'm in South Beach and in the area I definitely will be patronizing snow social you can find them on Instagram at eat snow social you can go to snowsocial.com and you can actually see their website and the more in-depth review and a couple other blurbs that they place there for your consideration shout out to it, them it's they all actually that. just opened on Saturday um, they did like a whole ribbon cutting and everything sweet and they do these really cute color changing cups I'm on their Instagram I just seen all oh, this. Oh, cute. The, the cup is pink, and when it's cold from the snow it cone, it's purple. purple. So it's all this time, I'm buying that. All this time, I was seeing this purple cup, and I was like, oh, this is a cute purple cup. And then I seen it, and I was like, oh, that's, that's color What was the last time you had shaved ice? <laughs> that's so cool. I want some now. Okay, yesterday I, I dumped years. all the ice out the bottom of the bucket thing in the freezer, so oh it was like God. shavings. But that don't, you know. Low key, I haven't had it since I was in the South because up here, y'all have the ladies with the little ice cream carts. It's not ice cream, but it's like the little... Piragua? Is that like when it's like the coconut? Where they like shave it? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's piragua. Yeah, so it's like coconut or, frio, or frio, cherry or... um. It's always coconut cherry or one other flavor. And good. Like, oh, okay. oh, no, you're just talking about the ices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they come yeah. in that little cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. you can, like, mix it. Yeah. And mango. Mm-hmm. Oh, ones. mango. Yes. Coco cherry. No, I haven't had... Ooh, you got me excited. I haven't had pinagua in years. That's what we call shaved ice. A summer treat. A summer treat. So you ready to jump into the recap, fellas? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so last week's episode titled Love and Robots. So random. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, a friend of mine's house and we got <laughs> I like how you your face look when well you because he's friend. like a business friend like somebody mm-hmm. I see for very specific services so it was like uh, uh but yeah we were having a whole conversation about like sci-fi and anime stuff and I was like I feel like I was just talking about this because I was talking about it on the show that's how I was so I was able to give him so many like things off the cuff but I just thought it was so funny that we just talked about it and then I was at his house and we had talked about stuff again and I had forgot and then remember <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Last week, Love and Robots. Yeah, so last week we didn't have a hot button issue, so we took off the restraints and shared whatever wanted to come up, and somehow it was about AI and robots. <laughs> I don't know. That's what, you know, was called out. And as always, you guys had a lot to say. So, Asante, who stood out to you? First of all, <laughs> because we were talking about AI and robots, I was just watching something, and I'm so mad I can't think of it right now. And Haley Joe Osment was in it, like him now. You, oh, from uh, Sixth Sense? Right? Well, yeah, from Sixth Sense and Artificial Intelligence. Did you ever watch that movie with Jude Law? I don't think so. Ooh, I love Jude Law. That though. was a good-ass movie. He was good and close. That movie made me cry at the end. Oh, Brand. yeah, Jude Law. That's one of my, you know, it's one of my, like, Top. Like, I can watch it. The Blower's Daughter, baby. Ah, Y'all Fran. talk about this every hey, time. Hey, Tyler, eyes off for you. <laughs> Fran, uh, the moments. When they was crossing that street, girl, at the beginning of the movie, I knew. I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I thought about uh, Haley Joel Osment because he was in AI, which was a really good movie about a boy who was searching for his family only to learn that he was a fucking robot. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's why he couldn't find him. Was it? <laughs> was, <laughs> I can't even get my words out. Yeah. Was it well done? It was, because Haley Joe Osment was the little boy. Did you say Osmond? Osment. Is oh, Osment? I thought you said Haley Joe Osment. Like, I always say Osment because like, you know, I, I don't want to hit the T too hard, so I'm like Haley Joe Osment because I want to say Osment. Because I feel like I said like that every time. I mean, time. I, I've seen, like, the cover for the movie, so I know of it, but I never actually watched yeah. it. I've always been into that sci-fi shit. Yeah. But anyway, back to who had a lot to say and all of those sci-fi things that we had. I want to give a shout-out to Amberlynn um, in the SoundCloud comments. Amberlynn writes in all the damn time. Shout-out to you for always supporting. I love Amberlynn. Hi. She clarified when we were talking about John Wick that the dog was left is the last gift that the girlfriend left. Um, she had it set up that when she died, that they'd give him a dog. So his dog was the last. So this dog was the last piece that the woman of he that he loved. And they didn't just kill the dog; they murdered his dog brutally. Brutally, it hurt me. So yeah, it was fucked up because you know we were talking about like the Sopranos and the horse in the bed and all that shit. But in John Wick, Keanu Reeves was going so hard beating all this ass, and everybody just kept going. He's doing all this for a damn dog. And it was because of this woman that he loved. But for me, it was just like, you know, <laughs> this is about to sound really bad. White people love some damn animals. They do. They love some damn... Because, like, I can understand the sentiment of it being the last thing that this girlfriend left from you. But when everybody was like, he's doing this, it's such an overstatement, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is too much. Well, it's kind of fucked up to to say, I'm dying, so now here's a dog. You know what I'm saying? How are you supposed to move on with your life? And every time you see this damn dog needing you this for something, you're thinking about that person that's dead and gone. Oh and now God. you got to see this damn dog. You can't even... How would you feel if you bring a date over 
You know what I'm saying? And the dog, you know, dogs always like to run up when you're about to get it on anyway. And you looking at the dog looking at you looking like they're your ex-wife. <laughs> That's kind of fucked up. That's so really imagine, a rotten thing to do. But imagine man. having that dog and trying to reconcile all that shit and then somebody come along and kill the damn thing. Then you're like, Thank well, God. <laughs> off my hands. Oh, my God. Freedom. <laughs> Free. Woo. Shackles <laughs> off my feet. So I can dance. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah That's both married. So thank God. I'm you talking about we took the restraints off, friend. <laughs> Finally. No. Oh my god. You know how they have people hooked and cuffed to bed and they open it up with them automatic yeah, okay, withdrawals. You know right <laughs> did you see the video of Safari when Peter was ha- harassing him? I did. What oh. he had a fire on? Oh, oh did he? I mean, I figured. <laughs> I know he does like fur changes at interviews. All I know is Safari was getting in that ass. But <laughs> Uh, Fran, what did you find in those SoundCloud streets? So user 313957349 says, the timing of this discussion is in alignment with my five-year-old. Monday, she scribbled on herself with a pen. And when I'm cleaning her off, she tells me that she was a robot, that she's a cyborg to be exact. And I was taking off her robot. Then twice this week at the stoplight with her grandma and then with me at Walmart, she points at the cameras and says, they're spying on us. <laughs> she also accused her grandma and cousins of not believing her. And then last night, she saw the jet exhaust and says, it's a meteor. We try to correct her, but nope. She starts yelling for everyone to run because it's a meteor. She's also referring to people as humans and talking a lot about robots lately. Hmm. <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. Okay. <laughs> that, what would you do if you're look at Dustin? Dustin's perplex. What would you do if your five-year-old came to you in all seriousness and told you they were a robot? I had to put their ass out. I'm How? sorry. Oh Yo, motherfucker, you gotta get out. If you know <laughs> if you smart enough to be able to tell me you a robot and a cyborg to be exact and Tell me that the cameras, that the streets is watching and all the things that she didn't say. You so damn wise since you know every goddamn thing. Get your ass out there then and be, and be electric. Oh, my go on God. Some, you got to go. Five-year-old weird, little weird motherfucker running around the house. How am I supposed to give you a bath? I'm scared to put you in the tub now. I feel like every that night when I've been washing your ass. 2019. Gonna, well... Even that shit don't, you know, you put it in deep enough. That only be like <laughs> 10 feet. So I don't know. Every time I feel like I was risking my life every night when I was brushing her teeth or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you are You're trying so to kill silly. me. Okay, before she turned on you. <laughs> What'd you find in the Twitter streets for us? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Yeah. So uh, I want to give a shout out to at Buddy, very simple Twitter handle, B U D D Y, who tweeted, I seen a hand reaching for my cush. I slapped the hand away. I turn around, it's Brandy. (laughs) He accompanies it it with a picture of him and Brandy on the night in question. And it looks like he may have been Buddy the rapper. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. So I just wanted to highlight that. I smacked the hand. I felt like that was cohesive (laughs) enough for it to be alone in my tweets for the week. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> okay. And we know Brandy is a feisty one. Uh-oh, so I want to okay, know how Cassie. she responded to getting that hand slapped. I'm picturing her pulling out the gun. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick is the moisture matte lipstick of your dreams. It's matte reinvented. MAC's new matte formula feels weightless, instantly hydrates, and doesn't dry out your hopefully not already ashy lips. It was originally developed as a backstage trend for a soft matte look, so it's backstage tested and artist approved. Many other matte lipsticks are drying and dying, but the Powder Kiss <laughs> Lipstick is where matte meets moisture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly, providing instant long term hydration that doesn't dry out your lips or mine if we cast in. So, you get the zero shine smooth look of a matte lipstick with the lightweight feel of a balm in Gilead. The Powder Kiss Lipstick comes in 24 gorgeous colors with a wide range of pinks, nudes, reds, and plums to complement any skin tone that you may have. The weightless and cushiony texture of the Powder Kiss Lipstick is the perfect way to amplify your look this spring. I don't like nobody with no lips that don't look nice and supple. I don't think anyone does. When you think about the Colorado Rockies, that's a sports team, not somebody's lips. You want them to be velvety and smooth. And MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick will ensure just that. Get into a totally new lip experience with the Powder Kiss Lipstick. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your Matt today or shop at MacCosmetics.com. So you guys ready to jump into this week's episode? Oh, let's do it. So let's jump into our psychology bag. I feel like we haven't done that in a while. We haven't gotten into our feelings in a while. There's been a lot of jokes. Uh-oh. <laughs> Dustin's favorite topic. So we've covered... Do you remember when we did the apology language? Mm-hmm. This is my song. <laughs> I'm going to sing the whole We've thing. We've done uh, love languages. So that way you understand how you communicate with more intention. And you can go into your relationships kind of having a better understanding of how you're wired. Thank or at God. least, <laughs> Or at least now in this time of your life. So I thought, what about the reasoning for why you pick certain partners? Like, why are you picking mm. who you're picking? <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> I already saw his face. The joke was ready. <laughs> I'm going to be good. 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 Specifically, which factors contribute to your experience of anxiety, avoidance, fear, and even fulfillment when it comes to these relationships? <laughs> I really wish people could see your face. <laughs> I think I'm sweating already, girl. <laughs> Is it me? The AC broken here. What's up? No. <laughs> so this... Real cold. What we're studying today is called attachment theory. And funny enough, I was just talking last week about uh, not wanting to get topics tainted with things that I had prepared. This is going to be like a two-part episode. And... Lo and behold, <laughs> Shan Booty, <laughs> shout out to mm-hmm. Shannon Boudreaux, she released... A video, which in a way I think would be a perfect tie-in because I know some people are visual learners. Mm -hmm. She released a video breaking down the theories and to make it extra cute, she added Game of Thrones characters, (laughs) which I think is really funny (laughs) so that you can kind of see who you aligned with on the show as far as partnerships and just how you react within relationships. So definitely check out Shambooty. I actually even asked the guys to take the quiz that she created on her Game of Desires website, which is for the new book that she has launching in the fall or in the summer, rather. And the guys took it. So we won't get into that right now. But they did take the test that uh, would let us know what their attachment style is. And I'm going to break this down first, just a theory, and then we'll get into 
what our individual styles are because that's going to be my favorite part. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, I got some things I need to say about the Game of Thrones breakdown. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, did it tell you the names that associated with yours, too, or whatever? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. See, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, mine I thought was... <laughs> Interesting, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Dustin says, we ain't there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so have you ever heard of attachment theory? I have. You have? Mm-hmm. That excites me. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Never read into it. Ain't just about the people that be breastfeeding oh. their kids for like years and years. They'd be like four and five and shit. Ain't that what this <laughs> is about? Does that factor into it? I thought that was <clears> attachment, attachment theory. So in the 50s, <laughs> there See, were these I knew psych- it. <laughs> <laughs> There are these psychologists by the name of Dollard and Miller, right? Mm -hmm. They created what was called the learning and behaviorist theory of attachment. So what that suggested was that attachment was based on a set of learned behavior, where the basis for the learning of attachments was food. That's all they thought. They thought that a baby formed an attachment with whoever would feed it. And that was their theory, that everything a baby did, whether it was cry, scream, laugh, smile at you, was just in acquisition of food. And they thought that through those behaviors being repeated, you know, babies are very smart. So they're like, okay, if I smile enough or if I cry or I scream, I'm going to get the food on my plate. Mm. Through conditioning, they just learn that that's what they have to do to get what they want. But then Bowlby in 1958, who was a psychoanalyst, had he more. did that before he sang? <laughs> I didn't know Moby was that old. Bobby. Oh, Bobby. I'm sorry, Bobby. John Bobby, mm-hmm. who was a psychoanalyst. Who <laughs> he really said Bobby. He did, and I was thinking, singing Was it Moby on the news recently? For Apparently, you know been what? on since the 50s. I don't even bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he was a psychoanalyst who researched the effects of separation between infants and their parents. That was his specialty, right? So when he saw this theory of behaviorist, this learning behaviorist theory, rather, he had a more evolutionary theory that he wanted to kind of add on to it. So he suggested that children come into the world biologically pre-programmed to form attachments with others. So he doesn't agree that they just come here and slowly figure out this is what I need to do to get food. He feels that they already come into the world like, Where's my, like, who's the person that I'm going to attach to? And he doesn't think that it has anything to do with food. Food is just obviously one of the perks. Mm. But he felt uh, this would help them survive, obviously. He felt behaviors such as crying and smiling and stimulated innate caregiving responses from adults. So in other words, this is not about food, but more so about the care and responsiveness itself. And he suggested there's a critical period for that attachment to develop, which is from zero to five years old. And if an attachment has not developed during this period, then the child will suffer from irreversible developmental consequences, even as far as reduced intelligence and aggression. Wow. Ain't that something? He also felt that a child would initially form only one primary attachment. He thought it was just the mom. And he said this attachment figure acted as a secure basis for exploring the world, acting as a prototype for all future relationships. So his primary focus was what is this child's relationship to their mom from zero to five years old? Everything that happens within that time frame will dictate what happens to that child Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives and interpersonal connections. Scary. 
<laughs> when well, you think of moms, <laughs> you're flipping your hair. Well, I'm a mama's boy, so you know, <laughs> you know that attachment was made. Lover to pieces, right? That's a good thing. I mean, I have questions. Do you remember your attachment to your mom from zero to five? Can you think that back? Can you think back that far? Rather, I remember, I remember things about my mother. You know, from being a young kid, and I, re- I have memories from being three years old. You and- do. Yeah. You can think that far I remember, back. I remember my mom teaching me how to read. And my mom taught me how to read when I was like two and a half. And I can remember sitting there and her pointing at the words and like teaching me that. I remember it being a new concept for me. I remember that. That is so cool. Yeah. Dude, how far back can you remember? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. When people ask me, like, damn, I can't That's remember zero. that far back. Like, I do have like very like vivid <clears throat> random memories of when I was like a child. But I can't remember like a lot. Like enough. Yeah, like people that can remember like vivid, mm-hmm. like you sitting, picturing your mom teaching you. That's amazing. My yeah. memory, for whatever reason, stopped at nine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, but then in later in the 50s, there was a man by the name of Harry Harlow who wanted to expand on what John Bowlby, now I'm going to call him Moby. Just <laughs> oh, well, then, before we get too far, Moby was yeah. recently in the news because he was apologizing to Natalie Portman because he claimed in his latest book that they dated, which yeah. was not true. Yeah, I, that's why I was like, I'm not even going to go there. Um, the Harlow experiments, that's what these were called. So <laughs> y'all are killing me today. So in these experiments, it was about love and relationships between parents and children. And he tested on monkeys. I always feel bad when they do that because they literally destroy these monkeys' lives. And I get it for the greater good and what they, what do they say? The outcome outweighs, but I don't know. It just makes me feel really bad. That's why Planet of the Apes, I couldn't blame them. I was like, I see what happened. But what do monkeys really do? You know what I'm saying? That we... They, know, get, like, they live. What do they eat up that we need them to eat up? Or like, what do they, you know, like, what 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 have a monkey done for us? <laughs> when you really think about the needs that is that so a American, is really, you know. <laughs> <laughs> monkeys gonna have a field day with joy. So here's what he did to prove that it has nothing to do with food. That was like his first mission. He separated, God, how terrible is this, you guys? He separated infant monkeys from their mothers a few hours after birth and gave them two surrogate mothers. Here's the image. So both of the surrogate mothers provided milk. So that was that. One of them was just wire mesh. You see that? It's just a wire mom. And then the other one was covered with terry cloth. And the monkeys were given the freedom to choose which mother to associate with. And they always chose the warmer, softer mom with the terry cloth, even though both gave them milk. So that proved that theory, that behavioral theory wrong immediately, because this has nothing to do about which one was going to give them food. It was already about mm. nurturing and care. <laughs> Your face is cracking me up. Because that doesn't even mean that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that just means that that was another thing they had to think about. Like, oh, damn, they both got milk, but this one is more comfortable. Exactly. It was about nurture. I mean, sort it's of. It's softer. <laughs> but you take can't the milk up away on a and wire. tell me what they go chill with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Take that and get the milk the fuck up out of there. Go ahead, friend. <laughs> For his second experiment, Harlow modified his original setup. So the monkeys were either given the bare wire mesh mama or the terry cloth mom. And both of which, once again, provided the milk. 
But now there were two groups of monkeys. There was the one that were raised by the wire and the ones that were raised by the terry cloth. Mm-hmm. But they displayed extremely different behavioral tendencies. Those with the terry cloth mother returned to the surrogate when presented with strange loud objects. So they knew who to go to for safety. But the ones that were raised by the wire mesh mother would throw themselves on the floor, clutch to themselves, rock back and forth, or even scream in terror. Damn. Isn't that so sad? First yeah. of all, that is so evil. Yeah. That is. That is so evil. I because mean, once they're done with the, the studies, what do they do with the monkeys? Yep. Give them to the terry cloth mama. <laughs> <laughs> Madea. <laughs> oh, Lord. They give them the Madea. That's what they do. Not the Terry Cloth mama. <laughs> so what this proved, once again, <laughs> was that John Bowlby was right. Well, yes. This had to do with... <laughs> This has to do with nurture and caring and love and affection. That's what the babies wanted from babies to monkeys. Go ahead. (laughs) That's really sad, man. I know. We don't need a towel. Everybody needs a little terry cloth to dry things up. They had to wipe their mouth from the milk. Mm -hmm. They couldn't do none of that with the wire. That's why they was falling out screaming all over the damn place. I need a towel! That's what the, oh that's what the monkeys were saying. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that was by the wire, mama. Not, I need a towel. <laughs> so then <laughs> he had a young intern who came and started working with him by the name of Ainsley, who ended up being someone vital and crucial to Bulby's studies, not uh, Harry's. So Bulby and her created a study where they focused on children. So what they did is that they would separate children, not not after birth. Could you imagine if that was legal? Ooh, they would separate. <laughs> That's them what they're the doing room. at the border, but go ahead. Oh, my Lord. They would put them in the room and separate them for like a couple hours just to kind of get a sense of the separation anxiety that was caused and just how the kids would react. Okay. So certain kids, when the parents would leave, they would cry, obviously, because any kid would cry when their parent leaves. But they would soon figure out how to comfort themselves, whether they'd go play, calm down, self-soothe. And then when the parent came back... They would hug them and be excited to see them and were immediately comforted by the parents' presence back in the room. Okay, so that's the black kids. So now, <laughs> what the other ones do? <laughs> they was chilling, you know what I'm saying? What the other ones do? And then they had another set of kids mm-hmm. who were freaking out when the parents left and just kept freaking out the whole time. <laughs> just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, another group of kids. Yeah. And it just created this intense anxiety in the kid. It was like the kid could not figure out how to calm down and self soothe. It was basically an emotional wreck until the parent came back. That's some goth kids from that, that video. <laughs> <laughs> And then there were another set of kids that didn't react at all. The parent left, Dustin. The parent walked out the room and the kid had no emotional shift, no emotional reaction. The parent came back in the room, same thing. So they were like, okay, (laughs) these kids are all reacting so differently. So we have to figure out why. And that's where their theory of attachment styles, where he said, from zero to five, what happens between you and your parents can completely shift how you form bonds, how you maintain them, and how you react to changes within them. Wow. And that's where the four attachment styles come in. So this is where 
I would love for you to see if you see yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Into me, I see. Well, hold on. Before we do that, which, yeah. which child were you? Which child was I? Yeah. What do you mean? When your mama would leave. Like, uh-huh. if your mama was leaving the room at that age, whatever the age of the kids in the study, do you think you would be the child to act the fool, not be moved, or... Well, the funny thing is, my mom, and I think I've told this story on this show before, where when my mom, I think I was three, she took me to school, like, to just check it out. It was a public school nearby. Um... I wasn't supposed to stay, but it was that she wanted to see how I would feel in it. And Mm -hmm. I was supposed to enroll the following year. And she said that as soon as I got in the classroom, I like (laughs) ripped my hand from hers, Mm -hmm. ran straight to the rest of the kids and just sat down and was like playing. And she said she was low key mortified a little bit because the way that I was like, bye. (laughs) Like I didn't look back. (laughs) I didn't cry. And then the teacher told her, you can leave her. (laughs) <laughs> and my mom was like, really? Like, uh, you know, I came to visit and the teacher was like, you can actually leave her for the rest of the year. Like, that's rare that that happens. And she told her to leave me and she did. So I technically did, I think, pre-K twice. Wow. <laughs> Work. Because I came in, the teacher let me stay. And then obviously I came in for proper enrollment yeah. the following year. But so I think that says a lot. Yeah, about... you always been VIP. A <laughs> <laughs> friend has always had a wrist brand, y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> and that is called the dismissive avoidant style. Mm. So that's what you got? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I have two because mm-hmm. I've taken this test before. Because that's the thing. As you grow... And you grow older and you get into different relationships. Obviously, different relationships pull out different things in they you. They change you, huh, baby. They challenge you. They change you. They help you. you. <laughs> they help you evolve. And if y'all freaks, they might triple you. <laughs> I don't know. You know, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> uh, so you can go through different attachment styles. That's the thing about this. This is more so a foundation to kind of get an idea. Not a foundation, a blueprint to get an idea of where you're at right now when you take the test because it very well changes as you continue to grow and change. So my attachment style now at 37 is secure attachment. Mm, Okay. Because I've been through enough. Right. (laughs) So I know a lot better how to deal with interpersonal relationships. But for most of my life, I would say up until four years ago, I was dismissive avoidant for sure. Like, I mean, to the T when I was watching all the stuff and reading, I was like, that's gross. Like how your personality could be so predictable. Man, <laughs> You see yourself with such clarity, but let me do a quick breakdown. Mm-hmm. So the first attachment is called secure attachment. These apparently this is 50% of the population. I'm like, where are they at though? I, <laughs> What part of the country? Because I, I would like to know. That's so, somewhere locked up, secure. <laughs> okay. These are children who were whose parents were consistent. So they consistently had their needs met. The kids felt safe. They felt secure because they knew even in that room with the Bobby Ainslow experiment, they knew that the parents were going to come back. You know, the parents didn't mm-hmm. just dip out. So they could go play and self-soothe because they knew the parents were going to come back. They had always shown them that level of consistency. So these babies grow up self-sufficient. 
They're comfortable with intimacy. They're honest. They're open. They're even comfortable bringing something up if something's off in the relationship. Black people have always spoken up. (laughs) (laughs) Always. They're comfortable communicating if something's off because there's no fear of loss of connection. It's more so something's off. Let's work on it. They're, uh, they want your partner to thrive. They want to thrive. That's like what the foundation of relation relationship is. They have a higher emotional intelligence, allowing them to communicate their feelings effectively. Problem solvers, resilient, can move through obstacles, <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> with great care. <laughs> <laughs> they trust that they have. And this is the thing that doesn't mean that they're not scared. Right. Everyone's scared. You know, you take a chance with love and relationships, but they trust that they have the fortitude. That's where it's different for the heartache. If it does happen to come. Because we listen to R&B songs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They know that they'll be able to work through their emotions and get through it. They've been there before and they know that that's just life. So that's the secure attachment. <laughs> They're not passive aggressive to the black delegation. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. Not passive aggressive uh, because they which ties into them being willing to sit with you if they feel that something's off instead of like ignoring you or shutting down. They're like, yo, let's fix this because I want us to thrive. I love that. Where are y'all secure is at? I feel like that's <laughs> I mean, how I am. But I didn't start get a Facebook that. group. <laughs> I feel like that's how I get down, but I ain't get that. I know what you got. I bet you I can guess. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the second one, which is the anxious, preoccupied children. These are the children whose parents were inconsistent. With the Ritalin prescription. (laughs) That's why they never stopped moving. So if they cried, sometimes the parents would come. Sometimes they didn't. So they don't really know how to gauge interpersonal relationships because there's always been inconsistency inconsistency with their needs being met so it creates an anxiety in them where they just don't know (laughs) Asante's face that wasn't that's not me but I'm just thinking about how like crazy that is that you don't make those connections that those like where that came from yeah like so imagine being a parent you know and you react differently to your child in certain situations so they're not really getting the programming ever because you, of the way you're reacting, you don't know how that's affecting them. And I think that's a, what makes it so scary in a way. Not scary. I shouldn't say that because it, it makes it like deeper than it is. But it's more so like parents are busy, mm-hmm. preoccupied with their own problems. You got to think about it. Two parents have their own attachment styles that they're dealing with from whatever their parents did. So you're kind of like passing on these attachment styles. A lot of it is subconscious, so they don't even realize it's happening. Like, I'm sure most parents wouldn't even think about this consistency or lack of consistency and how it would affect them in their relationships in the future. You know, just things that you're like doing your best and trying to figure out day by day and trying to make money and stay afloat. And it's like you're not even realizing that the kid feeling like his needs weren't met over and over again, how that's ruining in the future. Like even you see... Uh, when little boys are crying, you've seen like parents being like, "Don't like leave him or don't pick him up." Like, Man up. yeah, like things like that. You don't realize, oof, yeah, what that's doing. Some little kids need that though. No, Dustin. <laughs> you ever seen them little whining ass little boys? Are always crying about something. <laughs> Shut your ass up! <laughs> oh my god, Dustin. that's not a boy thing. No, that's a kid thing. No, you know what I'm that means Shut up! parents are probably inconsistent. Right. They're anxious. Well, you know. 
So as an adult, this is what happens. They become the partner that's you demanding, oh my God. obsessive, clingy. They mm. overanalyze everything. You you ever been with someone and like you say something and like they analyze your tone? Why'd you say it like that? Oh, the worst. Why'd your face look like that? What it, like they're just nitpicking at everything because they're obsessively <laughs> waiting to see if you're gonna leave them. That's always what's on their mind. So it's an abandonment issue. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because I'm thinking about all the times I could have said it to somebody. Like, why are you saying it like that? Like, but in that my anxiety. mind, not realizing that it would mean something like that as much as it means like laughing. Mm-hmm. But then that laughing, you never know what it's rooted in. So it could come from some of that shit. So I'm like, oh shit. And the thing too, through through reading all these attachments, you have pieces of all of them. That's what I think. You know, I think. They're going to show up, obviously, in different relationships. But I also think we have pieces of all these attachments. You have the anxiety. You have the security. Um, So these people end up needing constant reassurance. Have you ever been with someone that they just need to hear that you're not going anywhere? (laughs) You're not leaving. You love them. You love me, right? Right, all the time. Very briefly, because I could only take with so much of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go. <laughs> like, okay. Are you talking about getting on my nerves? <laughs> go ahead, friend. <laughs> Can you imagine? So the sad thing is they're reenacting that wound mm-hmm. of their needs not being met. So they tend to go after partners that are emotionally unavailable. Because they're literally reenacting that parent, that mother wound, that father wound. They're like, in a way, it's sad because it's a, what did Shannon call it in her video? A self-fulfilling prophecy. Wow. You already think, right? I was like, yes, great term. You already think this about yourself. Then you attract people that prove it (laughs) without thinking to yourself why you're doing this in the first place and where you're getting this bond and this where you're forming this bond from. Where is it coming from? Why are you choosing this particular person? Um, The sad thing is these people grew up without boundaries. You know what I mean? They just don't know how to control themselves. They are constant fear of loss of connection, feel like they'll die without you. And then when you do break up, they can't let go. God, <laughs> God, shoot just me. Having flashbacks like, I can, that is the worst. Oh, Jesus wow. Christ. So it's, I think that's really rough. The yeah. anxious one. They're also the ones that like send you the long ass paragraph text. Ooh, oh, no. Or have you ever been with someone where you fell asleep on their text? And then when you wake up in the morning, they're like freaking the fuck out. You got missed calls. 40 and don't, of them. don't let the do not disturb have just activated. <laughs> they sending you emails. I ain't got nothing for you. They're on your DMs. I remember one partner I had, he called, he FaceTimed me at four in the morning and asked me to turn my light on. <laughs> and I was like, what's wrong? I was so sleepy. Oh, I didn't understand. No. And to this day, she don't turn her FaceTime on. So thanks <laughs> really a lot. <laughs> That's for so real. funny because I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. That you ruined it for all of us. Sense. <laughs> we can't even FaceTime. That's right. <laughs> now the third one is dismissive avoidant. This is where old Dave Frank comes in. <laughs> so these are the parents that were emotionally unavailable. So it's not that they were consistent. It's not that they were inconsistent. They just weren't there. There was like a coldness. They didn't have that. So what happens to these kids? You become emotionally distant, self-sufficient, because you have to literally figure out how to soothe yourself as a child. No one, you already know your emotional needs are not going to be met. So you literally have to raise yourself and figure it out. 
But what happens is that these kids grow up to avoid true intimacy. They push people away. They tend to become workaholics because they are going to focus on everything but making a connection. They shut emotions down when threatened. So if somebody's like, well, I'm going to leave you. It's like, okay. We're very good at acting like we don't care. Bye. bye. Right. You're not going to affect me. Discomfort with deep connection, basically. We enjoy this part actually made me think of me and Dustin. We Mm -hmm. enjoy the early parts of romance. (sighs) Yes. The moments. But as soon as that attachment comes from the other person, (laughs) that's when we freak out. (laughs) The Zoom challenge. challenge. You hear them tires burning rubber. So we don't we don't want to play no more when the emotions start uh, forming on a deeper level. Ghosting, we do a lot of ghosting. Bye. <laughs> no. A lot of humor used as a wall. Okay. <laughs> the only one I didn't connect to is they say that this personality type tends to shame emotions. I can't say that that. I've ever done that. Yeah, I just didn't play into them when I was younger, but I didn't shame anybody for feeling them. Sounds very Republican to me. (laughs) But we do tend to feel smothered in relationships because of our extreme independence. But the bottom line with all of these, and this is someone who was a dismissive avoidant. I know that we get misunderstood. People think like, we're cold, we don't want love, and that's a lie. We want it deeply, but we just never had the tools on how to receive it, how to give it. And so when you grow up, you rather just not even go there because it's almost like this was never given to me. So I don't even know what to do with this information. It's easier to just like not even deal with it. That sounds sensible to me. (laughs) We're also nitpicky as a way to as an escape. Like it's like. I don't like how he talks or <laughs> his clothing or it's just always really uh, surface level bullshit. <laughs> but it, it's also affirming. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you see yourself in that way? Very much so, but I didn't even get that. <laughs> so I did? got another one that's avoiding, but go oh, ahead. Okay. And then lastly, fearful avoidant. Dustin, this according to this. Go ahead. <laughs> now with this one, it's a combo of dismissive and anxious. So you got a little bit of both in this one. My opinion, this is my personal opinion. I feel that these are the kids that dealt with specific traumas that made them fearful of vulnerability because vulnerability to them means pain. And so they're unpredictable. They have the fear of getting close to you, but they also have a fear of not having someone to get close to. So it's like a roller coaster with them. They understand love. They think it's beautiful. They would love it. But they also feel like I don't play with demons. (laughs) You are really loud. I don't know what it is. So there's this like inner conflict between wanting it and resisting it, which I think is that's so terrible. Because it's like, you know that it'll be good for you. Mm. And one thing they tend to do is that when they are in a relationship, because they do get in relationships sometimes, they when you're like pulling away, they'll chase you because that's the turbulence that they're used to. And then when you come back, they push away. Because <laughs> it's just like, I want it, but I don't. I want it, but I don't. That's basically their dynamic. 
They tend to show aggression the closer they get to someone because they just don't trust you. And there's this constant thing of, I don't know, you're going to fuck with me. I don't know. Like people, you know, people are people. <laughs> and they self-sabotage. I'm only human. And their biggest fear, this one I got from Shannon's video, where she said, their fear is that the closer you get to me, you won't want who I really am. Mm. And that made me sad when she said that. I was mm. like, no, Shannon, really? <laughs> so that's fearful avoidant. The anxious ones, essentially, they have a low self-image and a high image of their partners. The avoidants have a high self-image, low self-image of their partners. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> because we spend so much time cultivating our actual lives outside of relationships and we view relationships as like, I don't really have time for that. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> and then wow. fearful have low self-image and low image of their partner. So it's just low all around. But secure have high self-image because they know, they trust. And they have high self-image of their partners as well. They are not the type that you have to, like, build up they to be with them. They are we, friend. <laughs> I'm still, you know, acknowledging that I'm secure. But you know what's funny? I also haven't been in a relationship. Mm. And that's when you really see where you're at. Because mm. that mirror comes up oh. and suddenly you're like, holy shit, I thought, I thought... <laughs> I thought Ooh. I worked through all this. That's actually why I'm excited looking forward because I have worked through a lot of my emotions on my own. And so I'm looking forward to meeting a partner who hopefully has worked through his own shit and we can meet and be like, all right, we're going to figure this out. We're going to work this out. But what do you guys think of that? Those attachment styles, is it, do they feel familiar? Do you think this is true? I definitely think that, that that all of this is true. Um, and I'm fascinated by these types of studies. I love really breaking down, you know, just behavioral sciences in general. So right? it's interesting. I love it. Now, I personally got fearful avoidant. Mm. I don't know why. Because, like, I was answering the questions according to, like, I how I felt. I see that, though. I got that, friend. I got fearful avoidant. Because think about it. What is it that you always say? I'm, you don't want a relationship anymore because it's based on what you've experienced. You're like, I'm cool. Yeah. To me, that's smart. <laughs> you know? But it's based in fear. It's knowledgeable avoidance. <laughs> I think there's a new one. Knowledgeable avoidance. Yeah, but that's what I got. And so um, I definitely think that this is accurate. Um, I see traits in people that I know when we talk about these different theories. Um, and, you know... I, although I am, uh, you know, I guess I'm a f classified as a fearful avoidant. I think I'm security. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think I am. What about you, Asante? Yeah, I think I got secure, fearful avoidant as well. Um, secure, fearful avoidant. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, you know, a he little, got a pot. Uh huh. Got a little hyphenated. <laughs> you know what's funny when you were talking about, um, you know, childhood traumas in that part. I can't think back to, like, myself when I was younger, but I always remember when I was, I remember being younger, but I remember my mom telling me when I was young, I used to run away, and I have no idea why. Like, I used to just get up in the middle of the night and leave my house and walk and, like, literally... Oh, like, literally run away. Yeah, like, and it's not even that I was... 
Okay, there, there might have been a couple of times where I can remember where I was like, oh, I'm running away. I didn't know where I was going. I just remember like wanting to pick up and leave in the middle of the night, like just wanting to see the world or get like it wasn't even that I wanted to get gone or I hated my life. I just remember wanting to be like, all right, like everybody's sleep. So while the world is sleep, I need to like go out and explore. But like that was just what I did. And so I remember like walking away or running away, I guess. But I remember I was thinking like, all right, I need to turn around. Like I always needed to like get back. But I always wondered why I like ran away from home when I was younger. Hence my obsession with I Heart Huckabees because the main character had that issue. Another movie with Jude Law, by the way. Um, I love Jude Law. (laughs) But I always found that so interesting because when it comes to relationships, I always think about myself being young, being like... All right, well, I guess I'm running away. Like, I'm picking up my stuff. I'm going to go see the world. Like, you know, and I don't know if those things always connect or why they connect, but they just do to me. Like, I always think about that one moment in my life where I was really getting out and being free. So then when things don't necessarily, when I get settled in a relationship, but things aren't going necessarily the way that I feel, I think about myself running away, like, you know, getting out of it and going to see the world. Just a little side to side. But yes, fearful avoidant, definitely that. So two fearful avoidance. One and a half. <laughs> but you don't feel that that's where you're at? Um, No. You don't think it's a proper assessment? No, but I accept it. I'm very humble. <laughs> I was really upset that they uh, classified me based on the, the characters. And so accurate when they said Sansa Stark, except for the last two seasons, because she had definitely changed by then. I felt like she was probably more secure the last two seasons. But, um... I got Arya Stark. <laughs> oh. Tyrion's on my list. Brienne, <laughs> Sir Brianna Tarth, Cersei, Peter Baelish. Oh, Cersei Baelish. And Baelish. And of course, those listening, you can type in. Obviously, you can Google attachment theory if you want to get more information. I know Psychology Today has a ton of articles on it. I will link Shannon's quiz so that you can try and take it yourself. And if right. you're a Game of Thrones fan, you can see which character <laughs> you align with. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's cool, especially even if you're single, it doesn't really matter. But if you are in a partnership, it would be cool for the two of you to, ta- to have taken the apology language quiz, first of all. Because now when you have a disagreement... Instead of being reactionary, you can actually intentionally figure out, okay, what did it what is it that you need in the middle of a disagreement to feel reassured? And then this is what I need. And then obviously love languages show what you need to feel loved. Do you need gifts? Do you need words of affirmation? Do you yes. need acts of service? Yes. We all respond yes. differently. And then now you have a clear view of your attachments, <laughs> I just think is is fascinating. Like to think that from zero to five, that window, those formative years are explaining exactly why you react the way that you do within your interpersonal relationships. I think it's worth noting too, that this also now backs up the substantiates the argument of you telling somebody your mama or like you ain't shit because your mama ain't raised y'all right your mama didn't raise y'all you know what I mean you can now substantiate that with facts and theories so thank you friend (laughs) so I definitely suggest taking that don't you think that'd be nice for partners to just kind of get a an assessment I don't know and figure out I think it's good no it's definitely good yeah everybody's doing the work nowadays so it's 
Yeah. When um, you find out that you're both fearful of void and you can be like, damn, let me, you ain't shit and I ain't shit. We ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I know people ask like, okay, well, if I'm, you know, the anxious type, what should I do? And I know one thing that I have seen, I have seen personally work is people who take the time to create a life for themselves outside of relationships. Because if you have a low self-image, that's what you need to work on first. Mm -hmm. You know, that needs to be raised a little bit. So if you have a career, why not take maybe some classes to help strengthen it? You know what I mean? Or maybe there's some hobbies that you're good at. Do something. Take workshops, work out. Like, what is your life outside of a relationship? I would say to dissect that and strengthen that up. So that way you're not parasitic yeah, with your right. partner. You when got you're some things going for yourself. Yeah, you have things to do. And, and I, your own friends. And that did change a lot. Like once I had my life and Hey Friend Hey and I was like traveling and working and I felt really proud of the work that I was doing. I had a, a clear image of where I was going and also way more positive image of who I was, especially yes. from being a dismissive avoidant, <laughs> knowing like the people that I have hurt because they didn't understand why I was so distant, um, learning to to shift that energy out the way and understanding that I was deserving of love. Even if you don't receive it, you still are deserving, you know, and I think that's where you have to work on. So I would say with an anxious person, cultivate that life. See, the dismissive avoidance, we have to do the opposite. We cultivate too much life. <laughs> That's all we know how to do. Workaholic. We don't want to be home. Yep. You're always out doing something because yes. you're just like avoiding human connection. And so obviously you would have a different workload, which would be, you know, spend more time with the people that you love and, and affirm them. I think that's one thing that really changed for me. Like you see, I'm... Even with you guys, when we text in the morning, I'm always like, I love you guys. You yeah. notice that. I always have to say it. I love you guys. Thank you for another amazing week, another amazing show. And that's me doing my healing work where it's like I'm affirming myself as a loving person and I'm affirming the people that I love so that it's that ecosystem. Thank you. I'm happy to be affirmed. <laughs> and to me, ecosystems are very affirming because it, it has to work both ways, right? Yeah. In order to be a system. So that's a trick that has helped me. Maybe that could help you. I did see, um, you can go on YouTube, psych to go P-S-Y-C-H, number two, G-O. Mm -hmm. I was like, P-S-Y. Make sure I spell it right. Uh, that's a great YouTube channel that has so much advice on how to heal these attachment styles. Um, lastly, the fearful one. If you did go through trauma that has you having a low self-image and low self-image of what your lover would be, they suggested getting professional guidance. You know, that's <laughs> where no, that's Damn. where therapists would have to come in. Because yeah. if you're dealing with trauma. That's way bigger than just like affirming your friends, you know what I mean? Right, or like yeah. cultivating a life outside of that. You might need a practitioner, someone who is licensed to really help you sift in a safe space through these emotions and affirm you and let you know that you are safe to feel what you feel and to help you work through them. This is why I tell people I'm not available. What do you mean? Oh, emotionally? Yes. Well, because that's Helpful. Well, I, because I'm not trying to be in a relationship and then for whatever reason, 
I meet people that I guess see that I'm doing well or see that I'm doing better than I guess whatever I was doing before. So they think that we should like have a shot. But in my mind, I'm like, I have too much stuff of my own to really work on to really be present and even wanted to be part of the process of trying to be with somebody. But how long are you going to do that? I don't know if I'm being, cause I am being avoidant. Yes. But like if, if my fearful is going to move into dismissive at that moment, because I really feel like I need to have, or I want to have other areas of my life together before I even think about trying to be with somebody. That's Cause fair. like, I want to make sure I have like all of my business in order. Like dating itself is expensive, let alone actually being with somebody. So if I'm dating somebody right now and then my business pop off, then I want to be secure for the rest of my life, like on my own and not thinking about worrying about somebody else. So when they do come along, that's easy. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's just one thing, let alone my emotions and stuff, let alone somebody else's emotions and whole life becoming part of my life. Ooh. Ooh. Dustin just nodded his head. I'm just going to avoid all of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. So you're okay with too being much. a dismissive avoidant for the rest of your life? Fearful. Yeah, but I still got fearful. Oh, though. fearful. I'm sorry. See, I'm fine with being a dismissive avoidant. <laughs> I got fearful, though. Right. So I'm fearful. I, I am know. fearful. That's why I said I, I, it might move into dismissive if it moves out of fearful because I'm just like one thing at a time before I'm even thinking about somebody else coming I just think it's real funny how I always get the one that need the professional help. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. Damn, I'll be laying every time laying right there. Like, damn. A broken black man. Now, the New York Times uh, released an article that said it's titled, in case you want to go check it out, it's on NewYorkTimes.com. It's the four attachment styles and how they sabotage your work-life balance. Wow. So See? this is the thing. It doesn't just show up in your interpersonal relationships that are romantic. It shows about work. See? Obviously, you know, it's wherever humans are. This is how you, this is the lens through which you navigate connection and bonds and coworkers <laughs> and bosses. So it was saying that the anxious type has a fear of upsetting others. And this fear-based approach leads to counterproductive behaviors at work, like struggling with the compulsion to check email incessantly to make sure that everything is okay. It says if you operate from an anxious attachment style, you will have time, uh, major time management struggles. The first is that your attention will get hijacked whenever you experience a perceived threat. So if you feel negative bias... The email from the client must be a complaint or maybe lack of an acknowledgement from your boss. In your mind, you're all, they're already looking to replace you. So you think of the right. worst possible scenarios. And these thoughts may be true, but also they likely are not. But your anxious brain jumps to negative conclusions and gets obsessed with issues until they are resolved. Mm. Might be good at problem solving. How? Because they always... <laughs> Preparing for problems for the worst. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but if you're nervous and anxious, that's yeah, not no. usually helpful for problem solving. Sure don't help a damn thing. I don't do nothing <laughs> but get in the way. That's how we lost that escape the room that last time. Ooh, oh yeah, I've <laughs> never been in one of those. It's they say in the article the best calming strategy for that is positive self talk and peer support. So it something it says something like telling yourself, "Let's wait and see what happens." Or everything will be okay before you go ahead and get agitated. <laughs> or even asking myself, for support. You always have that one co- co-worker that's cool, you know, and you can tell them, like, I'm freaking out, dude. 
myself is always like, you better get in there, bitch. So, <laughs> That's yours? Yeah. <laughs> when it's time to, like, go or do something or, like, get out on stage or, like, you know, just get it going. You better get in there, bitch. <laughs> That's good, though. That's your ego helping you out. Positive self-talk. <laughs> and then now the dismissive avoidant type says individuals with this attachment style tend to think they're smart and everyone else is stupid. Which one is this? Dismissive avoidant. Damn. That's I'm like, ah, that wasn't my experience at work. I, I can't say that. Um, it is not exactly that they're stupid, but definitely not as smart as they are. They most likely decide what they should do and then ignore what others want. <laughs> wow. That Damn. one I can that relate to. That low-key was kind of me in my whole job. <laughs> like, is that always a bad thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> it says this tends to lead to conflict and mistrust. Uh, this mistrust can lead to others attempting to micromanage and monitor them, which makes them even more agitated and likely to every dismiss time. input. So every time it says that (laughs) (laughs) it says to make a change, you need to start by acknowledging that other people may have a point. You may Mm. not have to agree with their stated priorities, but you think you know better and you may even think that work is stupid. So basically just being open to other people's perspectives Mm. and the fact that like you don't know everything, you're not a know it all. So. Obviously, I'm skimming these. I do want people to look this article up so that they can, because it breaks down a lot. It says how to tell if this is you, what to do about it. The one that I did find in the fearful avoidant one, I was like, okay, I see a little piece (laughs) of me in this. It says stuck is the best word to describe those with a fearful avoidant attachment style. They have the fear of those with anxious attachment without the confidence that they can make things right. So someone with this attachment style would quickly open a potentially threatening email and reply to it as quickly as possible to avert danger. Someone with fearful avoidant would see the email, however, freak out about it and never open it. That's totally me. <laughs> Fearful avoidant. Wow. When I tell you that is me, I do that with mail sometimes. Wow. You ever yeah. do that with yeah. mail? And you know what it is. You're like, you know it's it. so you're like, I, yeah. Meanwhile, you can get away with mail. With an email, now they get that send back report and you don't even know. I'm like, damn, fuck, they know I got this real receipt on the email. So I felt very seen. Even with text. You know when you get the text and like, it comes to the front of your phone and you're like, I'm just not even going to yep. open it. <laughs> I'm not going to interact with it. They ain't going to see them three dots. It says they fear bad outcomes so strongly that they never discover if the email from a client was simply an FYI or a full out tirade. They don't trust themselves or the system. So there's an undercurrent of why even try mm. in their day to day work. So Damn. I love this. To me, this is so great. It's so great. I think it's just so fascinating. It's definitely eye-opening. You know what I mean? It definitely makes you look at things and people through a whole different, I guess, um, theory. (laughs) (laughs) And most importantly, having compassion for yourself. Yeah. And other people, too. And other people, too. You see where they're coming from. Yeah. Like, obviously, that doesn't mean that you condone shitty behavior Mm -hmm. in your relationships or even at work. But I think it is nice to see it with this level of clarity. You know, where like, I'm sure me reading these uh, attachment styles and their symptoms will, you'll see yourself or maybe you see your partner and then you can be like, holy shit. And I think that's clearly when people ask like, what's the work? When you say I'm doing the work, that is the work. The first work is acknowledging it. That's the first step. Once you see it with clarity, then you can figure out a a contingency plan (laughs) for what to do next so that you guys 
don't have to suffer in their relationship, but be on the same team. I think when people ask me, what is it that you're looking for in a partner? I want someone that understands we're on the same side. Yes. Literally that simple. I'm in this to thrive. I want you to thrive. I want to give you the best version of myself. I'm hoping you feel the same way. I'm not like, this isn't war. I'm not here to make you feel low or bring you down or create any barriers for you to be amazing, even if that means it's not with me. You know what I mean? Like, once I have that grounding, that's kind of like what I want to build on for my next partnership. Because people be scared. They think that it's like you against them. And I'm like, I'm literally on your side. You ain't got to lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last person. Right. It's, it's hard for people to get that kind of trust. Yeah. And the trust that it would take to be able to understand that fully. And yeah. allow it to impact the choices that you make in your relationship. And that's the struggle that people have. You're 100% right. It would be so much easier if motherfuckers would just be like, look. I'm scared as fuck about loving you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we doing this together. So yeah. we don't need to fight. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. And you just end up you know, Cheating. lost and turned out. <laughs> lost and turned <laughs> out. Hashtag fearful avoided. <laughs> <laughs> so I got secure, like I said, from Shannon's quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have taken this before, it was dismissive avoidant. And I can see that I have bits of the dismissive avoidant. Actually, we were joking earlier because I was telling the guys that this thing I'm doing now where... <laughs> I'll see a man on the street or somewhere, wherever. We give each other that look that shows mutual interest. You know the look. You know the look. (laughs) And that's when normally you would smile or say something that kind of gives them the green light or invites them to come and initiate conversation. And I keep looking away, (laughs) looking down, walking past. It's just so insane. I'm like, I'm still avoiding opportunity but I don't even allow the connection to happen I'm like cutting it at the root we got to put a stop to all of that friend. for now you got to look up make a little eye contact but you know I've been out the game welcome back for a while Tyler. so <laughs> I'm rusty every time you talk about the look I think about on Broad City how the one girl used to always give like little funny looks to her and the dude they make eye contact back your ass looking down then you look back up they're gonna do something real funky to you like what am I supposed to even say to that you know what I always think of do y'all know that video by Jay Versace which one it's just his eyes and he's Uh, like (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt more seen hilarious yes But that's it. I just wanted to throw that into the site conversation because this, you know, we're all figuring ourselves out. Yeah. There's a quote that I I forget who says it, but it says we're all walking each other home. And I love that. I love that Uh, perspective. Right. We're all just walking each other home. Everyone's just trying to figure out where to go, how to get there and who's coming along. So. Hopefully within your interpersonal relationships, I love that the New York Times leveled it up and took it to office conversation because that's a whole other important level of your day, right? Yes. You're at home later in the day, but for most of the day, you're at work. So hopefully you'll see yourself in these. I love that they gave tips on things you can try to overcome these attachment styles. And then with your partners, definitely check out psych to go Actually, let me see the other resources. 
Definitely check out Shan Boodum. Shan Boodum. You hear me? Shan Boodum. Shan Boodum. Shan Boodrum, who goes by Shan Booty. Definitely check out her video. Her breakdown is wonderful as always. And then the other website that I got my notes from is simplypsychology.org. Mm-hmm. That's why it broke down all of the theories and the experiments. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. My brain is like trying to force the words out. So if you want to get a, a deeper understanding or even see some visuals with the monkeys and Dang. the wire mamas and terry cloth mamas. So just want to throw that out there. Attachment theory. And that was this week's hot button issue. Thank you guys for being Thank willing you. to take good. the test. Yes. That was good. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Uh, the, North the North remembers. The North remembers. I just didn't want to get what? whatever the dragon was. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for the quiz, mm-hmm. what did you select for the first answer? Just because I remember I looking at the pictures. The was. Uh, it was, uh, what do you value most in a relationship? Oh, I know. Something right like answered. that. And it was like a loyalty. Oh, like loyalty um, or compatibility and friendship. That's the one that I pick. I picked loyalty. <laughs> loyalty? Yeah. I think loyalty was uh, and Jamie. And faithfulness or something? Yeah. I think that one was Jamie and uh, Brienne. <laughs> I think that's the one I selected too. I was just laughing at the pictures because um, the one that was like creativity was Aria and nigga she fucked. And I was like looking and I just busted out laughing about that. <laughs> but, yeah. but that one's a hard question too because obviously I want loyalty, but I also right. want compatibility because if right. we're, you're loyal, but I don't feel excited about you you know what I mean or mm-hmm. like friendship is important to me there's gonna be a time when you're old <laughs> crotchety <laughs> still crotchety yeah. I might not be like attracted to you still after 40 years but I would love for us to still be cool yeah you know and still like want to be around each other and like each other loyalty gets me hard <laughs> <laughs> what does loyalty mean to you though staying down 10 toes down you know what I'm saying like just in other loyal. words when you cheat they got to stay. You got to stay. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That ain't what I mean. But no, like just, you know, just being loyal, you know, having my best interests in mind and having good intentions when it comes to me, um, safeguarding my emotional health and being considerate of me and having a natural health. and absolutely mm-hmm. you be nasty, you know, <laughs> but, but I mean. also want, you know, and, and just having a natural compassion, those types of things. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Yeah, no loyal. <laughs> mm. The World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century. Do you know what it is? Stress. We're feeling more uncertainty and anxiety than ever before. And that's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one rated app for meditation. When you meditate, your brain chemistry changes. Meditation has been shown to slow down the release of stress chemicals into your bloodstream, like cortisol and adrenaline, giving you some much needed relief. With Calm, you'll discover a whole library of simple guided meditations on themes like anxiety, creativity, and focus. They even have other resources to help you relax, like sleep stories, music, and so much more. So if you're stressed, take a deep breath and get calm. Right now, Friendzone listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash friendzone. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash friendzone. 40 million people have downloaded Calm. Find out why at calm.com slash friendzone. Loyal. Mm-hmm. Loyal. And I'm Loyal. actually going to tie in really quickly my wellness segment because it's 
it's in perfect alignment with so the So you brought the wind chimes with you. I did. Bring in the wind chimes. <laughs> so for those of us who have dealt with trauma outside of those formative years, there's a book that I was given called The Body Keeps the Score. Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. I'm just going to read the back part so you can get an idea. It says, trauma is a fact of life. Veterans and their families deal with the painful aftermath of combat. One in five Americans has been molested. One in four grew up with alcoholics. One in three couples have engaged in physical violence. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, one of the world's foremost experts on trauma, has spent over three decades working with survivors. In The Body Keeps the Score, he uses recent scientific advances to show how trauma literally reshapes both body and brain, compromising sufferers' capacities for pleasure, engagement, self-control, and trust. He explores innovative treatments from neurofeedback and meditation to sports, drama, and yoga that offer new paths to discovery. Discovery. You hear me? <laughs> Recovery. He might have came up with that too. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> By activating the brain's natural neuroplasticity. Based on Dr. Vanderkolk's own research and that of other leading specialists, The Body Keeps the Score exposes the tremendous power of relationships both to hurt and to heal and offers new hope for reclaiming lives. Wow. So it ties in beautifully because it gives you treatment options that you can seek, that you can try, that you can look into. And to me, that's so useful because it's one thing to see the trauma you have. Like once you see this, the uh, attachment styles, it's like, okay, so I'm fearful. <laughs> now what? What do I do with that information? You know, or if I've had these traumas and the way that he breaks it down, being that he's a scientist, I thought this book was going to be really dense. You know, sometimes it can just be like too heady, mm -hmm. but it's perfect. He breaks down the most complex concepts and theories in ways that anyone can understand i appreciate yeah. books like that because sometimes i'm like just give it just give me the information Please. like just i already know you're smart you don't have to overwhelm me <laughs> so i love it i think it's a great and important book i tweeted about it i posted it on my ig stories and literally i've never had that level of response for a wow. book before people saying that they read it for school or it was given to them and they just bought it and how much it changed their lives and even a lot of therapists and psychiatrists were hitting me up saying that this is like recommended reading for their clients. Hmm. Well, so it like you didn't pick the winner. For I that. know. I'm <laughs> like, so cool. I was actually sharing on a tangent mm -hmm. on Twitter that someone won't say who, because then when I'm tweeting with them, y'all going to be giving the little eye emoji mm -hmm. <laughs> sent me a note. With a lot of links. Did I tell you guys the story? No, but I, I know this story. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So they sent me a note. <laughs> Your face. They had a lot of Amazon links. And I was like, what are all these links? And then I started clicking and it was like books that they felt that I would align with. I was like, that's so cool. And So then... I'm like clicking, clicking, clicking. And then the last link was an Amazon gift card that covered the cost, the total cost Boom. of wow. all the books. Boom. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Game. Elite game. There you go. Wow. Right? Serena levels. But can I Kobe tell you levels. how I tweeted that? And my friend, shout out to my homie Carmen. 
she retweeted it and wrote how to shoot a damn shot. First of all, the, I mean, the tweet went viral, which was hilarious. <laughs> and then all these men were so triggered. Oh, of course. Because they didn't think of it first. And were calling us broke. Wow. Birds. Wow. One dude was like, bitch, get a job. And I was like, wow. Wow. We literally sharing how it was a cool ass way to like get at me. And then it triggered men that felt that I was more impressed by the money. <laughs> Isn't that strange? What a loser, first of all. <laughs> like just smiling, Era, keep it moving. Out but... of the tire. That sucks. It was kind of insane though how many men were triggered. I was me and my friend Carmen were like, this is low-key scary. As y'all laugh. Like how they're yelling at us when I literally was celebrating how some people are just so innovative and cool with how they it's come sad. at people. It's sad. Like, why wouldn't you think like, damn, that is tight? Like that's you know, a tight identity. Some men right. were dope about it, like, ooh, stealing that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was cute, but calling us broke bitches and birds, I was like, damn, you have a money wound, homie. I, sorry books. I triggered it. And it's books. <laughs> like, it's not it's like, not like was I like... was like, oh, he got me, you know, the Cardi B collection from Fashion Nova. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was interesting. Who knows what their attachment styles might be? Okay. Oh, secure. Cool. <laughs> like that credit card. You know what? That was a great idea. And I think that. First of all, never mind, because I was about to crack a really bad joke about the guys who were who were having a lot to say. I'm going to be nice today. It's Memorial Day. I ain't even going to do that. I'm going to be nice. Go on, friend. But I'm hoping, See, the hot button. <laughs> I'm hoping the hot button combined with this book, once again, it's The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, mm-hmm. Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. We got to keep leveling up emotionally yeah, keep developing and these are ways to do it so hopefully you find this information useful i hope it's helpful as always i always ask you to pass it on yes. to those who you need who you think would need it and those of you who already knew about attachment theory because you know we have psychology friend zone that we, we leave in comments them. <laughs> please share more information if there's anything i missed or maybe you have a differing opinion I love to read all of that with respect, of course. Thank you. <laughs> so that's it. Now let's move on to Mr. Music Man, which got for us Asante. Yes. Welcome to the Music Man segment where my chair can actually make noise. Uh, I cannot stop I moving. I couldn't figure out. I was like, where is that coming I'm so sorry. From? I, can, I always like move. It's anxiety. So, <laughs> I just love moving in the damn chair. Like some sometimes, if there was enough room, I'd just spin around in it. But you know, I, alas, I don't have. We just got to get do you that. a chair that doesn't sound yeah. like that. Chair. The WD forty yeah. or whatever. WD40. I usually do this. That's why I'm like, why is it doing this to me? <laughs> like, it's not my sneakers. We on carpet. Like, no, nah, that would be really fucked up. Screaming chair. Bert, welcome <laughs> to the Music Man segment. I'm actually going to not do it, and I'm going to leave because Megan Thee Stallion is performing right now. So thank you guys so much. I love you. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> no, I wish that's what was happening. I wish. Um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff happened in music as per usual. But uh, I wanted to just get into the listens lately first, and then I wanted to be silly right after. <laughs> so Nice plan. Yeah, you know, just to get the important stuff out the way so that we can move on into the funny stuff, or in the fun stuff, rather. So guys, tell me, what have you been listening to lately? How about you, Fran? 
Flamagra. I hope I'm Flamagra. saying that right. That is the new album by Flying Lotus. And Amara Negra. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Flamagra. And it has Anderson Pack, George yes. Clinton, Little Dragon, wow. Tierra Wack. Denzel Curry, Shab- wow. Shabazz Palace. I mean, when it has Thundercat, Solange, wow. Toro Imoir, like wow, so this is gonna keep going. It went in, and it is very experimental, of course. Flying Lotus, you know, his get down, but I love it. I've literally had it on repeat. The song with uh, Little Dragon is my favorite, which I'm not surprised. Um, rolling into one is a new project by Jordan Rakai that just dropped, and it is so good. And lastly, I know there was another one. Lucky Day dropped his album called Painted. Yeah. I can't pick a fave. Yeah. It's just one of those projects that you just got to let play. I need to sit with it. And that's it. Those are my three. Flying Lotus, Jordan Rakai. Yeah, I downloaded that. Yeah, that's enough. That day. was locked and loaded, friend. I listen. I was happy because I didn't even know Jordan Ricard was dropping anything, and I didn't know Flying Lotus was dropping anything. Yeah, I, I just downloaded this Flying Lotus. I hope so wasn't nobody underneath them when they dropped the album. <laughs> 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 I'm curious what you think of the Flying Lotus. It is experimental. It looks really dope. I mean, 27 I fucking tracks. It, so. It's good. I was yeah. listening. Um, actually, I was listening in my elevator. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor was like, eh. <laughs> 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 I saw him look over at me. He kind of gave that uncomfortable smile uh, okay. like, the fuck you listening to? Because <laughs> right, I know it must sound crazy from the other side of my headphones. Was there one that you were going to play? Um, no, actually, because I think it's one of those projects that you just got to on your own. It's You know, it's one of those projects that because it's a sensory experience, yeah. I think playing one part of it is not going to sell it properly. So yeah. you just got to kind of, if you do drugs of any sort, <laughs> enjoy yourself <laughs> to this album. <laughs> and that's it. Those are mine. All right. What about you, Dustin Ross? What have you been listening to lately? Well, historically... <laughs> Since I like to hit y'all with a historical fact every week. Um, 25 years ago, uh, the other day, the 69 Boys Tootsie Roll came out. Yes. What? So How many years? 25 years ago. Ooh, I don't know what you've been told. Just had the butterfly. It's, it's the Tootsie, Tootsie Roll. Rolls. Brand Get on new the dance. Hey. I didn't realize I was that young when it came out. Right. <laughs> We've been Tootsie Rolling for 25 <laughs> to years. Left. To the left. To the right, to the right. Come on, to, to the, the front, front, to the front, front to the back, back to the, the back. back. Now slide, uh, slide, uh, slide, slide. Come on in. The <laughs> yeah. shit. Tootsie Roll. So shout out to them. <laughs> Other than that, as far as listens lately, there's a new song by this artist named Yella Beezy. Um, it's called Rich MF, <laughs> and it's produced by Pharrell Williams. It is amazing. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, y'all. Just it's it's hot. Word. It's fire. Yellow beezy, baby. Yellow beezy. You heard it. Yellow beezy. Yellow beezy. Yellow beezy. Yellow beezy. Uh huh. I'm late. Jamming. Ain't they friends? No, I'm like <laughs> on my phone as we speak. Yes. <laughs> so that's it. Those are my listens lately. Amen. That was good. All right. Well, I have I stumbled upon this artist by the name of Bryn Joy. Uh. He just dropped this project called 20s. 
really, really cool sound. Um, I don't really know how to to describe him. It's some R&B music. But this is one of the songs that I like off his project. Um, it's The project is called 20s again. But this song is called Henny and the Hamptons. Tell y'all a little snippet of this. To get to the Henny and the Hamptons. Which nigga from 112? Which nigga from 112? I don't know. One of Q? My Q. That's Q. <laughs> Slim. Who's the one? <laughs> no, Slim. That Slim. That's Slim. him. <laughs> no. By the way. It sounds like Bilal. I used to love Slim when uh, they had a, he had a single called So Fly. He did. That was the jam. And that was my shit. That was my And then shit. they put out the remix. And was it Young Jock? I think was rapping on the yes, remix. Yes, yes. So Fly. Yes. He's like, so she asked me how's the air up there, bit, uh, beatboxing in the treetops, some shit like that. I was like, okay, Young Jock. Yeah, hair rollers in the end. <laughs> that was probably right at the cusp. Okay. The curse. The curse for when it was coming. All right, so that's really Dang, good for that. Thanks, you guys. You put me on today. Right, with some good little tracks. Now, speaking of putting people on, right, a lot of really cool music things have happened. Um, Rolling Loud just passed recently. I've been seeing a lot of cool music things happening. Um, shout out to Chica at Aranica Online. Yes. Uh, yes. She just performed on Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to Chica. Uh, she was performing on somebody's late night show. I forgot whose. I hate that I forgot, but it was because Lena Waithe was actually the right. guest host that night. Uh, so that was really, really dope. So with that said, if you could do a late night show, tell me who would be like, you, you could say your show name. It could be the whatever, whatever show. Um, who would be your first two guests and your one musical performance? I'm sorry this kind of bleeds into yours, but it could just segue right on into that. Your what? first two guests and your musical performance. Yes. Who would you want to interview for the pilot of your show? And then who would you want to perform? You can even, for a bonus, pick a house band if you want. Ooh. <laughs> a house band. Okay, so let me start, right? Mm-hmm. For my house band, y'all probably don't even know who this is, but there was this group. Um, there were... Independent. I don't know if they were students of Morehouse, but they were this band called the Jazz Specs, and they used to make really, really dope music. Um, they had like a really cool, like colorful album, and it was all like just really dope instrumentation. So I would have them be my house band, the Jazz Specs. So it'd be like you know, late night, late night with Asante, the Jazz Specs performing, blah blah I blah. I love it. So for my first two guests, for my first guest, I would want Jamie Fox on there. Just because I've always had like a random obsession with him. Like, I just feel like he would be somebody cool and funny and random to talk to and talk about dumb random shit. We could do musical shit. We could do funny comedy shit. Great first guest. Um, my second guest, I would want to interview. Uh, I was about to say something really bad. I just had a really bad thought. Um, my second guest, I want to interview Missy Elliott. She's just been doing a lot of really cool shit. Um, you know, she just got her award or her degree rather. Um, I would want to interview her, talk to her about music, her moving away from it, her uh putting the stamp on newer artists, her coming back to it, like everything. And then for my musical guest, it would obviously have to be Megan the Stallion, because she's the hottest style right now. And I would just want her to do like a really, really dope performance set. 
something along the lines of what she did with Rolling Loud, but then, you know, I guess in line with what late night show vision would be. So I would want to extend my platform to her to do that. And then watch her talk to Missy Elliott and, you know, Jamie Foxx crack jokes at the end. I think that would be a funny ass, fun ass show. So, yeah. So, Dustin. Why I gotta go next? You know you were supposed to go next. (laughs) 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 Okay, so, um, if I had a late night talk show, it's God's ears, please. Okay. Um, but if I had a late night talk show, I would have um, the family from Kirk Franklin and the family. They would be my house band. Because yeah. <laughs> the family used to be jamming like a motherfucker. That's amazing. The family was jamming. Wow. So give me the family. Um, let me see. <laughs> Who would I like to interview? Um, I would have to have somebody like substantive. Who would I have? Um, I will have a good conversation, I think, with, like, Trevor Noah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe interview him. Maybe interview Don Lemon. Talk a little shit. And then have somebody fun, like Jocelyn Hernandez (laughs) or, like, Cardi B. You know what I'm saying? Um, And my first musical performance... Probably Lizzo right now. Because they usually yeah. do artists who are like hot right now. Probably Lizzo. I went to her concert and was blown away. So I would have definitely, yeah, Lizzo. Yeah. Dope musical performance, right? Hell yeah. Damn. That makes it hard. <laughs> I think my house band would be maybe the Robert Glasper experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because I like that they can play with different genres. Um... Hmm. Anderson Pack will be my artist. Just so he's... <laughs> Dustin. He's a great artist. He's a so, great, yeah, artist. great choice. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great. Mm-hmm. One great. of the greats. Beautiful yeah. gowns. Great. Great gowns. Um, and I don't know who would be my guests. Who would I want to? Who would I want to interview? Oprah. You don't want to interview Jocelyn? Jocelyn? No, I'm just <laughs> What about, um, let me see, who could Fran interview that would be? Right. Good? I'm like, who would be super interesting that I would be like, I have to I have feel you. like it should be a guy. Would you say with Spike right. Lee? Spike Lee might be good because I love Spike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told you I have his box collection of everything he's ever produced. <laughs> um, I think I would have someone like the Dalai Lama. But I would, <laughs> I know okay. you're not surprised. You would. But you know why? I would hope that he would show a more playful side. I don't know if he would. I've actually never seen him in an interview, so I'd be curious. Like, could you imagine he just roll up and we just talk about life? Yeah. Just because I think, what if he's just never been on a platform where he could show, like, more of his human side? I think that'd be cute. Well, Ben, come on, Dolly. <laughs> Yours would be like a damn picnic, I feel like, too. Like, you'd be sitting out on the floor pillow. Oh, yeah. Everything would be, like, super low. Yep. <laughs> with pillows and plants. This could work. This could totally work. The Dalai Lama is Come cool. Come sit yes. on the floor with me. Um, you said two. I don't know why this is so hard. I know. I, you could talk to a million people about a million things, too. You know who I would want to talk to, actually? Because I was watching, now that you say Spike Lee, that she's got to have it season two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love Rosie Perez. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. her. Legendary. And when she came out on the screen, I was like, oh, shit. First of <laughs> all, that was cool as fuck. But also, it was just so nice to see her. She looks great. She it made me go on her. It made me go on her Instagram and like her Twitter. I was like, I'm so happy. She's still out here being great. So maybe her. 
Mm. Rosie Perez and the Dalai Lama. That's a great show. And Rosie Perez. <laughs> I'd watch that episode. I love it. Rosie Perez gives good talk, too, because mm. she guest hosted on The View a couple times. Did she? And she did good. Yeah. She's Rosie's so opinionated good. and so, like, sharp big. and witty. <laughs> Rosie Perez. I love her. Who doesn't love Rosie Perez? Like, come on. The first time a, you hear her speak, you were like. She's a staple of the culture. So, RP. yeah, that would be mine. Yes. Well, yes. that was fun. That was cute. Side note, I know you're talking about she's got to have a reboot. You know what else I was just watching recently? What? What If? Me too. You've been watching What If? Okay, sorry. We'll talk about that later then. <laughs> uh, we're going to move into Dustin Ross's TV land. So, Dustin Ross, you take it away. Take why it you away? got that face? Because I don't know why I have to do TV land every week. <laughs> you really don't what? want to do saying. TV land. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I, I think you know what would be funny if we, if we swapped segments. Yes, so you we have should. To do, you have to you do, do wellness. wellness. Yep, we should do a Freaky Friday show <laughs> where we swap. Actually, we're doing that. Well, what would you do for TV land? Oh, we're going to get into all the documentaries and watch <laughs> Because you know people be nerding out on the low, so. Low-key whip, that became a new thing if we all had switched the segments. <laughs> And that and was you like have the, to stick to yep, it. Yep. Uh huh. That was like the new thing. I would love that. I couldn't come up with a wellness every week. I'm not gonna lie to you. I couldn't do that. Oh baby, we're gonna be good and well. We, we should well. totally do a Freaky Friday episode. We should. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. So you have to prep. Okay, deal. So which you one do of y'all TV, doing wellness? You do TV. Asante is doing wellness for sure, and I'm gonna do music. Done. Music is easy. If I do we wellness, I'm gonna teach music. you how to roll up. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell you the differences between all the rolling things and devices. I could walk y'all through all of that. Listen, like that's a vaping, blessing in someone's there's life. There's papers, there's blunt wraps. Let's go through all of them. Well, Let's whatever go you're gonna them. do, figure it out because we switching them. <laughs> <laughs> now, this week on TV Land, you know, there's not a lot of things that are on right now. I'm still, um, you know, having aftershock from the whole star cancellation. So I'm not in the best relationship okay. with television right now. <laughs> but what I have been keeping up with is the Braxtons. The Braxton Family Values. And what I want to talk about, they are big Zach. Remember they had fallen out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I thought something happened with it. Phaedra was a Braxton for a minute, but now all that is done. All the real (laughs) Braxtons are available and participating. Nice. Um, And so it's great TV. Um, What we love so much about this show are the bonding moments that really show their sisterhood and make it fun and reminiscent of maybe certain experiences we had with our cousins or siblings we grew up close in age with or whatever. And that energy has they've literally kept that same energy from childhood and through adulthood because it surfaces in the things that they do. And something happened this week that is relevant to this vein of the story. Years ago. When Trina, one of the Braxton sisters, was married to Gabe, Gabe Solis, who has now passed away. He just recently passed away, Um, but he was a very big part of this show. And Gabe and Trina's relationship was a huge part of the Braxton family values. Um, They were able to, they ended up divorcing, but they were able to maintain a beautiful, like, best friendship. They were legit best friends. Um, Even, like, he gave his blessing on her new relationship type shit like that. Like, they really have a, a good, well, they had a great relationship anyway back in the day though when Trina and Gabe were kind of figuring things out she could she continued going back to him continue going back kept going back and so one day Tamar and Tony were discussing it sitting at the piano where they always are and they made up this funny song called Dingaling of Gold right <laughs> yeah, they are like she yeah. 
ding-a-ling of course. Well, what they said was he must have a ding-a-ling. Oh yeah, he must have a ding-a-ling because he, he she continued going back and forth to him, right? It's so, yep. Go. And then Tamar Braxton ate it. She went, I've gone, I've gone, I've gone. The moments that we left from the sisters, sorry. So <laughs> they did it again on this episode. Oh my God. What? Gabe passed away. And so they had what was called a fun memorial. Fun memorial is what they called oh, it. Oh, I love that. They rented a house. They cooked all of his favorite foods. They all wore black. And they sat up and just laughed, drank, ate, you know, reminisced good stories about Gabe. Please do that when I pass. Same. <laughs> Fran, so God cute. damn. I love Same. <laughs> Anyway, shit. Bring plants and... <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> we, oh, we definitely have to bring plants. Oh, no. <laughs> Not those plants. Green memorial. Okay. <laughs> bring my, at mine, please. But it was funny because they were talking about the moment, and then they Tony says, let's go sing it again. So Tamar was like, you really want to do it? And they walk into the room, sit at the piano, sing it again oh. with the mom and all the sisters around the piano. And then Trina says, she, after the song finishes, they laugh, and it's a very upbeat moment, but Trina's still kind of somber. And then at the end, she starts singing, and she says, he had a ding-a-ling of gold. <laughs> like, she finished it off. Oh, so it was just really like, you know, <laughs> and it was funny because they started talking about it seriously, but it was such a joke. And Tawanda, one of the other sisters, went into our interview immediately, and she's like, you know, dingling of cold is a really... They, just the way they were speaking about it was hilarious. <laughs> so... People who watch the Braxton Family Values are you know what Dingling of Gold was, oh, um, yes. and you recognize a the time. special um, nature of that moment. So Did it lift her spirits. It definitely lifted her <laughs> spirits all the way up. And Trina has now, in in better news, her and her fiance are now well, they're engaged. A hint in being her fiance. Sweet. Yeah, she has a new man. As you know, she's a co-host on Sister Circle Live. Yeah. Oh, snap. So she's thriving Shout there. Shout out to Trina yeah, and she's Amen. preparing for her wedding, so she's looking good and doing good. But yeah, catch up on the Braxtons this season. Um, I know a lot of people had kind of fallen off when there was a little bit of a shakeup over there, and I think the sisters mm-hmm. were kind of upset with WeTV a little bit. But this, they seem to have figured everything out. So catch up on the Braxtons and YouTube Dingaling of Gold <laughs> and watch it. It is yes. absolutely hilarious. It's a great moment. Yeah, and a great vocal. An excellent vocal. I'm absolutely going to look it up. Oh, we're going to play a few when this is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it for TV Land? That's it. Oh, that means it's time. I don't even want to hear the damn story if he's not going to tell it the way I want it heard. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Hashtag, this is a story. Thank you, friend. You're welcome. <laughs> so here we go, you guys. We're going to tell... The last episode of This is a Story, episode 19. Here we go. As I stood outside the hospital, my hands were shaking so badly that I couldn't light the cigarette that I was desperately trying to smoke. After three failed attempts to hold the lighter steadily in my hand, I just released it and the cigarette. Just let them both fall right to the ground. I stood still right there for the next few minutes in deep thought. What began as me trying to simply regroup and and, and catch my breath ended up turning into me going down an inescapable rabbit hole of emotions. Every time I thought about the fact that I was responsible for, for Mia, 
the love of my life, laying in that hospital, on that table, not breathing, it made me lose my own breath. We were just in my car. I was driving to my house because I had plans for us. I had plans for our love to finally be. No more hiding, no more sneaking, no more creeping. We could love each other in real time now, and no longer would we have to imagine what life would be like if we didn't have these secrets to keep. We could really actually do this thing together. We could truly have a life together. So as I drove, no matter how Mia tried to explain to me that she didn't want us to continue this love affair, I just knew that I wanted her, and I wanted to fight for our love. Mia sat in my car and she continued to remind me that she wasn't comfortable with the way our love started. One of the things that I loved most about her was that she had such a good heart. Although both of our recent choices didn't necessarily reflect our personal integrity, we operated from a place of pure love for each other. So it was no surprise to me that Mia was most conflicted by her own moral compass. But every time she spoke to me about ending our relationship because of her guilt, I felt a sharp, stinging pain inside my chest. I felt it in my heart. The more she said that the things that we felt for one another were wrong, the more helpless and frustrated I felt. And the climax of that helplessness, the climax of that frustration, it led me to slamming my hand on my steering wheel, and that led me into hitting that fire hydrant. And now she's not breathing. My knees literally gave out and I just sat on the curb because something had to hold me up and support me in this moment. I sat and I sobbed because this was literally all my fault. I love her so much and, 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 and just the fact that I almost made a mistake like that, I can't even bring myself to say what has almost happened. All I could do in this moment was cry. And as I sat there and cried, the last thing I remembered hearing was Tony and feeling that first punch hit my jaw. So somebody then jumped on Tony, y'all. See you next week for This Is A Story. Bye. As always, we Ciao. love you so much. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ciao. Stay black and protect your magic. Bye. MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick is matte reinvented. The new matte formula is where matte meets moisture, giving you the zero-shine look of a matte lipstick with instant long-term hydration and a weightless, cushiony texture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly with a wide range of shades that are sure to complement any skin tone. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your MAC today or shop at maccosmetics.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.